0: Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you, and happy Father's Day, men, and great to have you in this place today. Man, the Lord has been uh, moving this morning. Amen. We had a couple of uh, words from the Spirit, and one was uh, kind of just calling out the gifted, uh, the artistic, creative things that the Lord is going to bring into the earth today. And I was asking the Lord... You know, For myself, I was like, Lord, give me understanding of that word. And I felt like the Lord was saying, I want to paint a new picture. I want to paint a picture of my will in the earth today. And so I just really feel like God is calling us to step up as a church and to, and to become, as it were, and I'm not saying that this isn't for all kind of creative types and artistic types, but I really think that the Lord, by the Spirit, is calling us to step up into our creativity and to be the people that we need to be. And then, of course, the Spirit of the Lord also speaking again and just really calling us to trust Him. Can't trust ourselves. How many of you know you can't trust yourself? Come on. How many you know you can't trust yourself? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to whose understanding? Your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. You can't do this. You can't do it without him. Amen. But anyway, I appreciate the presence of the Lord here this morning. And I, and uh, yeah, so I just thank the Lord for that. Hey, listen, we're in a series right now entitled DIY Discipleship. Do it yourself, discipleship. Jesus said, these things you see me do, you shall do and greater than these, because I go to the Father. The very same things that I do, you will do. And so true discipleship is us doing what Jesus did. We do what he did, we do what he says. And he says, we can do it ourselves. Like, I want you to do this. I don't want you to pay somebody to do this for you. I want you to do this. I want you to walk with me. I want you to talk with me. I want you to act like me. I want you to go out in the world and do the very same things I did. You can do it too. DIY. Do it yourself. Amen. And so we're talking about this discipleship. And and a couple weeks ago we talked about the essentials of discipleship. Last week we talked about what could possibly be one of the most important aspects of our discipleship and that is the call answering the call to prayer because prayer is our divine it is our it is our lifeline that's the way i i would view prayer as our spiritual lifeline as followers of the lord jesus christ we need to be in divine connection with god at all times amen and we need to pray about everything and depend on Him, and trust in Him, and look to Him. Today, I want to kind of shift into a different gear. This might come off different today, but we're talking about discipleship. And today, I want to talk about conquering your inner Pharisee. I want to talk about that today. And if you have your Bibles, you can look in Luke chapter 18, verses, I'm going to read verses 9 through 14 here in just a moment. And one of the things that Jesus did, if you'll read the scriptures closely and carefully, you will notice that Jesus dealt, dealt quite a bit with the Pharisees, confronting them. But then he also turned around and taught his disciples a lot, cautioning them not to fall into the trap of a Pharisaical mindset. And he was so he dealt with the Pharisees. But he would turn and talk to his disciples about the Pharisees, and uh, being cautious about that and careful about that, so today as we're as we're moving onward in our call to be disciples of Jesus, we are going to be dealing with this idea that um and I think if we're honest, we all have an inner Pharisee that wants to take over, and so Uh, So we need to hear this word today. Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 9, says that Jesus spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised, or literally looked down upon others. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners and unjust and adulterers and even this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the tax collector, standing afar off, would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Then Jesus says, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. You ever heard that phrase, be humble or get humbled? That's kind of what that means. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. So Lord, we thank you for your word today. And we just ask Holy Spirit, that you would teach us and train us in true righteousness today. Not a righteousness which comes through flesh, but one that comes by faith. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would convince us of any attitudes or actions that is not helping your cause. God, that you would deal with us today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you have your Bibles, you may want to open to Luke 18, that passage that we just read, because here in a minute, I want to kind of process through that and extract a few thoughts and ideas. But first, I just want to talk a little bit about Pharisees of Jesus' time. In Jesus' day, uh, Pharisees were a particular sect of Judaism. They were very affluent, and they were very powerful, both politically and seemingly spiritually, socially, even in the days of Jesus. They were known to be very, very, very zealous for the law of Moses or the law of God. And what they did in their zealousness is they created their own kind of rule books to go alongside the word of God so that because the word of God, I guess, in their minds didn't explain it good enough, the 613 laws that men were not Able to keep, they thought, well, here, we'll come up with more rules to try to help you do those rules. And so, what had happened was over time, they were zealous for the law, but they were also equally zealous for their own ideas. And so, what ended up, what what began to be an aid to help people to understand how to live God's Word, became just another harness that was put on people. And drove them down, and made them feel like they could never arrive or never achieve. And and even the Pharisees couldn't do this. This is why they began to look outwardly different and kind of you know uh, you know draw a distinction between themselves by outward appearance because at at least they looked like they were doing it when they even if they weren't really doing it. So by the time that Jesus comes to this earth because he was God before he was born. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? <laughs> he was already in existence before he was born. But by the time he came to this world, the Pharisee movement was wreaking havoc on the culture, spiritually speaking. And so Jesus spent a great deal of time, as I said, not only confronting the, the Pharisees, but warning his own disciples that they had to steer clear of this mindset, of this disposition, of this, it would, it would just be so easy for you following me to fall into the same trap. And so Jesus was constantly warning his disciples of this. A few years ago, a, a a kind of a religious organization, research organization by the name of Barna did some surveys of North American Christians. And according to the questions they asked, they, they kind of they gathered some information, and they, they discovered in this research that 51% of North American Christians possessed attitudes and actions that were more like Pharisees than they were like Christ. The studies showed that the attitudes of most Christians were described as self-righteous and hypocritical. It also revealed that 14% of Christians surveyed reflected attitudes and actions that better resembled only 14% that actually resembled that of Christ. And what's so heartbreaking about all of this is that it's the Pharisees, or it's the Pharisee in all of us that is potentially killing the mission and the effectiveness of the church In today's culture. The less we live like and look like and love like Jesus, the more we turn the world off to the possibilities of coming to Jesus. And this is especially something that we need to be, you know, aware of and alert to especially in the culture in which we are living right now, which is out of its mind. And I'm not trying to be religious, I'm not trying to be mean-spirited, but can we be honest? Things are upside down. They call evil good and good evil, but the last thing we need to do is to creep into a pharisaical attitude and mindset trying to... Force godliness and morality onto our, our culture as though that were the answer. And We've got to be cautious about this and be careful about this. And Jesus said this to his disciples over and over again. And so if he said it to his disciples 21 centuries ago, it is still important today. Especially today. In the times in which we live. So... If we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we're going to have to confront, we're going to have to conquer our own inner Pharisee. And if you don't think you have one, you just need to open your eyes. Amen. But before I, I so I want to talk here in a couple of minutes, I want to get to this idea. How do we conquer? an inner Pharisee. If I have that, if I've got that going on, how do I deal with that? I want to talk about that in just a moment. But before that, I want to look at the conduct of the Pharisees. I want you to look with me in Luke chapter 12, verse 1. This should come up on the screen. It says in Luke chapter 12, verse 1, In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled on one another, Jesus began to say to his disciples, Notice that phrase, first of all. In other words, this is of primary importance. What I'm about to say to you, this is something you need to get down first. First of all. Everybody say, first of all. First of all, he says, I want you to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. We all understand what leaven is. The Bible says a little leaven leavens the whole lump. You put yeast into dough and it permeates throughout the dough and it causes it to grow, it causes it to expand. And in the Bible, leaven is almost always pictured as unrighteousness or sin or something like that. So he's saying, when he says beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, he's talking about the teaching or the doctrine of the Pharisees because you can't, you can't tolerate even a little bit of Pharisee. On the inside of you. There is no toleration of even just a little. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And he said their leaven, their yeast, their attitude, their actions are like hypocrisy. And you've probably heard this before. But if you were an actor in Jesus' days, here's what you were. You were a hypocrite. Because actors wore masks and that 's what it meant. you wear a hypocrisy comes from this Greek word, which means to wear a mask, and when you were acting on a stage, when you played a part, you wore a mask, so that outwardly you appeared to be one thing, but inwardly or behind the mask, you were completely something else and Sometimes an actor would wear multiple masks throughout the play. There would be one person here, one person there, and so this idea of hypocrisy, Jesus is saying. You on the outside look one way, but on the inside, you're another way. And this is what we got to be aware of and be, beware of, I should say. And so Jesus had a lot to say about the conduct of the Pharisees. I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember this. Most of us in the room are. Remember Jeff Foxworthy? You might be a redneck if, Right? You might be a redneck if every piece of furniture you ever owned ends up on your front lawn. (laughs) I love that one. You might be a Pharisee if both your dog and your wallet are attached to a chain. Anyway, um, he had a bunch of those. Well, Jesus, I think, has uh, some you-might-be-a-pharisee-if statements. You might be a Pharisee if you don't practice what you preach. Jesus said in Matthew 23 verses 1 through 3 Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples. Listen, he's talking to his disciples saying the scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat, therefore whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but not do not do according to their works for they say and they do not do. In other words, he says, when they are preaching from God's word, and, you, and they speak something that is true from the word of God, do that. But don't do what they do, because they say one thing, but they do another thing. They don't practice what they preach. Come on, can I get an amen out there? A Pharisee in the 21st century is someone who does not, whose speech doesn't match their their act their actions. We want the love and we preach the love of God and the acceptance of God and the forgiveness of God, but are we loving the unlovable? Are we forgiving the offenders? Come on. We've got to practice. What we preach, if we praise God for his love and mercy extended to us, then if we have experienced that, and we believe in that, and we preach that, then we've got to live that. Our actions need to match our words. Amen. So Jesus says, you might be a Pharisee if you don't practice what you preach. This isn't exhaustive, but I just want to share some of these with you. Here's another one. Jesus says you might be a Pharisee if you expect other people to do right, but you won't help them live right. Where you place expectations, you think the world should just shape up. Well, how about you and I stepping out there and helping the world to shape up? Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 23, 4. He says, for they bind heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. They won't even just help somebody a little bit. You should do this, and you should stop doing that, and the world needs to change, and America needs to straighten up, and, we're, and, we're, and we, want, we want everybody to turn back to God. Well, if, they, if they're going to experience God, that's why you and I are here. Amen. We expect things to turn around. We expect people to shape up. We expect our kids to stop doing this. Well, what are you doing to help them get to that next level in your life, in their life? Amen. Pharisees of Jesus' day were hard-nosed. They were heavy-handed. They placed more importance on following the rules than they did having a relationship with God. You need to, follow, you need to do this, you need to stop doing that. And then people were trying, and, they were, and but they, they could never measure up because in our own selves, we can never measure up in our own strength. Here's what Jesus went on to say in Matthew 23. 23 he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. That was good you pay tithe. But you should have shown mercy and love and faith. It's great that you support the church. But what about a broken down soul? What about a hurting person? What about a, what about a destroyed family? We have such expectations that the world needs to get their act together. Well, Jesus says, I want you to get your act together and help them get their act together. Amen. We are having fun today. It's Father's Day. (laughs) Happy Father's Day. Hey, listen, you might be a Pharisee, Jesus goes on to say, if you care more about how you look outwardly than who you are inwardly. Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 5, but all their works, he's talking about the Pharisees, but all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad, and they enlarge the borders of their garments. In other words, they buy the best and the finest clothes, and they parade around and they got their big prayer phylacteries tied around their arms and around their heads and looking, look at me, look how big the word looks on me. Look how good the word looks, look at me, look how look how impressive and spiritual. Look at I got it all together here. I look like I got it all together. Amen. And he went on to say in that same passage, they love it. When they sit in the best seats, they love to go into the marketplace and be lauded and applauded by everybody about how, how good they are and how holy they are and how together they are. And then he says they love it when people refer to them as rabbi. Oh, rabbi, rabbi, rabbi. And all it is is an outward show, feeling good about their outward appearance, being feeling good just focusing on the outward, but the inside is decay and death. Jesus said in Matthew 23 verse 27 he said, Woe to you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites for you are like whitewashed tombs which indeed appear beautiful outwardly but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. See a Pharisee today is not too different than the days of Jesus and we disciples need to to heed and hear the word of the Lord that I care more about what's going on on the inside than how you appear on the outside we focus a lot of times on just kind of looking the part showing up doing this you know just kind of outward outward things while on the inside we may be dying dead Spiritually diseased, if you will, or just something, something unclean going on. And we're living, we're living in two different worlds. The Lord cares more about what goes on in the heart than what appears to be on the outside. Jesus' main message when he came to this earth, it tells us in the very beginning, he began to preach repentance. In the kingdom of God. Repentance means not coming up to the altar and crying tears and saying, Oh, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God. Repentance literally means to change your mind. It's an inside out job, is what repentance really is. You start changing the way you think, and then your your whole disposition and your whole lifestyle will begin to change and alter. It's not just merely being sorry that you did the wrong thing. It's saying, I don't want to live that way anymore. I choose to follow you, Jesus. And it's an inside-out working in your life. So... The Lord really doesn't care about the outward appearance as much as he cares about the inward heart. Remember what he said about David when that great prophet looked at all of Jesse's sons and thought, "Oh, he's got to be. Man, he's 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 man, look at that strong. He's going to be he's going to be the one." And God right down the line said, "Stop looking at the outward. I don't pay I'm not looking at that. I'm looking at the heart. I'm looking at the heart. And there was a little shepherd boy out in the field that wasn't even invited to the anointing party. And that was the one God had in mind. Because he knew his heart. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? You might be a Pharisee if you promote moralistic living over grace-based living. Now, I would just want to, before I launch out onto this, I believe in morality. Does anybody else in the room believe in being moral? I believe in being a moral person. In fact, the Bible cautions, warns us of immorality. That that's not the way of the believer, to be immoral. But there's a difference when you come to faith in Jesus Christ and living out the the moral standards of Christ and thinking that we're going to kind of strong arm our world or our culture into moral living and we bypass the grace of God, which is really, we, we can't get anywhere without the grace of God. I'm nothing without the grace of God. I can't moralize myself into salvation I have to come to Jesus and I'm saved by faith through grace or I'm saved by grace through faith I got that wrong, let me get that right Amen. just so you know I know my Bible so that sounded very pharisaical didn't it <laughs> such a pharisee I have to deal with my inner pharisee too Well, let me just, let me go on. Let me just say this. Maybe it'll come out better in a minute. Um, One day, one day Jesus was teaching in the temple, and the Pharisees went and dragged out a woman caught literally in the act of adultery. I don't know why they didn't drag the man over there either, but they didn't. They drugged the woman over to Jesus and said, here's what the law says. The law says that she should be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus, you know, Jesus didn't come to abolish the law. How many of you know that? He didn't come to, he didn't come to do away with it. He came to fulfill it. In other words, there is no way for us to save ourselves by following the rules and Walking according to the law. So Jesus obeyed the law perfectly, took it to the cross, nailed all of the requirements of the law and all of the, uh, the judgment that would come to disobedience on the cross, took it into the grave, buried it. We sang about it today. He buried in the tomb all of our brokenness, all of our shame, all of our guilt, and all of our bondage. He put it in the grave and he left it there. Come on, can I get an amen? Amen. He didn't come to do away with the law, he came to fulfill the law, so he knowing that said, okay, well, for starters, let the first person in this group right now, who drug this woman out here, to shame her, to catch her, to control her, if you're without sin, you be the first one to throw a stone. Remember that? And the Bible said, interestingly, they all began to drop their stones to the ground From the oldest to the youngest. And they left. And then Jesus turned to the woman and said, do you see your accusers? She said, no. Listen to him. Neither do I accuse you. Listen now. He says, go and sin no more. So he dealt with the sin, right? He wasn't sweeping it under the rug. He wasn't saying it wasn't an important part of our life to get free of those things and to walk with Him. And then he here's here's how here's how he finishes. It. It's a great. It's a it's very famous verse of Scripture. This is right at the tail end of that. He said, "I am the light of the world. Whoever walks in me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life." So he was saying that here's where you get. Saved And here's where you get change. You come to me and let me redeem you. And then you walk out in my life, my love, and my power. Let my light, my grace shine upon you and through you. And that's where change comes. See, Pharisees, here's what we can do as Pharisees sometimes. We can curse the darkness, despising it. And just want the world to get their act together. America needs to get back to God. America needs to change. We've lost our nation. We've lost this or we've lost that. And, and we just we're just looking for it to turn back to morality. Listen, sinners are going to do sinful things. Come on. Paul said, What did he he go around doing? He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So everywhere I go, I don't try to turn people back to being moral. I try to turn them back to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't share this point well, but I was trying my best to get it together here. That a Pharisee often is, only more, is more concerned about the morality of things than they are about the one who makes us moral. The one who changes us. When you've had a real encounter with the grace of God, let me just say it this way and I'll move on. When you've had a, a real encounter with the grace of God, the Bible said it is the grace of God that teaches us to say no to ungodliness Amen. and worldly lusts. When you have a real encounter with Jesus and you know that he redeemed you before you got your act together. That in that walk with Jesus, you begin to learn that ungodliness and worldly lusts are destructive to me as a person. It's not working for my benefit. It's hurting me. It's hindering me. It's weighing me down. And I want to say, and by the grace of God, I can say no to those things and walk in the freedom of Jesus. Sometimes as Pharisees, we can turn it upside down and think you've got to get your act together and then think, no, that's not the way it works. Come on, amen? So Jesus says you might be a Pharisee if you promote moralistic living over grace, a grace encounter. Here's, a, here's another one. This is, this is the last one I'm going to share. There's probably a lot more we could talk about. But you might be a Pharisee if you pick and choose what parts of the Bible you're going to believe and obey. That's Pharisee. That's what the Pharisees did. They went through the word and they kind of just subtly picked and choose what parts they were going to accept and live by. That's what Pharisees do. That's not what disciples of Jesus do. Amen. So here, Matthew chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. Then the scribes and the Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. And He answered and said to them, this is the mic drop moment, why do you transgress the commandment of God? Because of your tradition. I am. Here's, here's so let me, let me give you the backdrop. The tradition of the elders is the rule book that they lifted up equal to the word of God. This was all their commentary on the word of God, and this became as important as this. And he says, so you're doing you're doing this, and, you, and you're asking me, why aren't my disciples doing that and, he, and treating that equally important? And he's saying, basically, he's saying to them, why don't you obey the word of God? Why don't you do what the Bible says? And he went on, and he talked about, he gave this, he says, because you guys are promoting rebellion against the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. In other words, he would, you, you'll accept an offering from people they, that you want them to give a, an offering to your benefit that could go to help their mom and dad, but you're teaching these people to dishonor their parents. And then he goes on to say in that same passage in verses 7, 8, and 9, he called them hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me. See, when you pick and choose the parts that you're going to live by and the parts that you're not going to live by, you're drawing near with your mouth, but your heart is far from God. If you're going to be true in your walk in your relationship with God, you take it hook, line, and sinker. You swallow the whole enchilada. Come on. You take the whole thing. Now, I'm not saying it's painless. Sometimes it's very painful. I love the Word of God, but sometimes I don't always like it. Sometimes it doesn't fit into my, you know, My choices. But you're a disciple. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You are not your own. You were bought at a price called the blood. Calvary, the cross. And so whatever God tells us to do, we should do. And stop coming up with our own list of rules. You know, coming up with our own Bible, so to speak. You know, Thomas Jefferson did that with the New Testament. He left out all the parts he didn't like or agree with. You know how much of the New Testament he had? 84 pages. Oh, we need to get back to our forefathers. Not Thomas Jefferson, we don't. That's part of the problem. We're disciples. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you to do? What I've told you in my word, that's what I want you to do. That's my will, that's my way, that's what I really want from you. So do those things. So when it says, you know, not to do a particular thing as a disciple of Jesus, you look at that and say, I may not like it, but I have to do it. Because this is the way Jesus intended life. Amen. So those are just a few things of you might be a Pharisee if. I want to talk about conquering, I want to talk about this idea of conquering our inner Pharisee. Going back to the um, Luke passage in Luke chapter 18, we'll kind of process through this, but Jesus gave this parable of a Pharisee and a tax collector going into the place of prayer to pray. Tax collectors in Jesus' day were considered sellouts and sinners. And the Pharisees were purported to be holy and blameless and righteous, and they had it all together. Jesus said of the Pharisees in this passage, or basically Jesus said this in other places, one of the main things that he kept saying to them is, you are blind. You are blind leaders of the blind. You're blind. I mean, over about, about eight or nine different times that I could find in my study of this that Jesus kept saying that they were blind. They were blind to the condition of their own, situ- to their true condition. They didn't see. And their true condition was pride. Amen. They had a selfie problem. Remember a few years ago, everybody taking selfies? You know. I had this picture of a Pharisee doing that, you know, with the beard and everything. I almost had Isaac dress up like a Pharisee and took a picture. Of him. I should have done it. That would have been sweet. They had a real selfie problem. They, they were self-righteous. They were self-centered narcissists. They were, they were um, self-justifying. They claimed to be self-made men. They were self-praise-seeking. Loved it when people applauded them and they patted each other on the back. They were self-appointed judges. They appointed themselves to be the judges of people. Jesus gives this parable that we're talking about here. And, and, he, and the opening line, verse 9 says, He spoke this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and they despised others. And so this became a parable about how the Pharisees and we can become blind to our own pride. And if we're going to conquer our, our inner Pharisee, The first thing that I want to point out is that we're going to have, we need an honest perspective of ourselves. We need to get an honest appraisal of our own selves. Remember how the Pharisee came in? The Bible said he stood to himself, with himself, and said to the Lord, God, I thank you that I'm not this, and I that, and I this, and I that, and I tithe, and I. I'm this and I'm that. And then if you notice the other guy, he the, the the Pharisee stands with himself to God. The other guy, the tax collector, stands afar. And it's just a it's a picture that Jesus is painting that the Pharisee had this, he had this self appraisal that he was somebody, that he that he was an achiever spiritually speaking. That he learned how to get his act together. That he did it in his own strength and according to his own way where the tax collector understood that he was nothing in and of himself. And we need to get an honest evaluation and perspective of ourselves that without Jesus, we are absolutely nothing. You may get your act together, but let me tell you something how you got it that way. By the Holy Spirit. Not by yourself. He mastered his craft. And he thought he, he thought he was all of that. And he thought, yeah, you know, God should be so lucky to have somebody like me. We need to stay like the Apostle Paul who said of himself in First Corinthians chapter 12. He said, I I." I, who am the least of the apostles, yet, by the grace of God, I am what I am today. Never get above yourself. Never look at yourself as someone who can do this in your own strength and power. You can't. Amen. We need to get an honest perspective of ourselves. Number two, we need to get a heavenly perspective of others. It says here in verse 9 that the Pharisee despised or literally the NIV got it right here for once. says he looked down his nose at this guy. He looked down his nose. Now notice what he's doing. He's looking down his nose at the tax collector and the tax collector won't even look up to God. You see the picture Jesus is painting it's Kind of hyperbolic, but he wants us to understand, like, you know, the difference. This is a heart issue. Not just talking about, you know, he's not just talking about behavior. He's talking about what's going on in the heart of a person. And so, this tax collector, the problem with the Phariseeical mindset is that they don't see people the way God sees them. We see them as. People who are godless and rebellious, and you know, just just need to you know get their act together. They don't understand that they're immoral and they're lost and they're broken because of sin. But God loved them. God created them. They were made in the image of God, and that's how we need to see people. We need to get a a different perspective on all of this brokenness and all of this dysfunction and all this rebellion going on around us listen it would be easy for us to be pharisaical and come in and pray with ourselves to god because that's what it, you know what a pharisee's name literally means pharisee means separated ones Oh, we're separated. We're not like them. We're not of that. God wants us to understand that people are in their state because they're broken. They're without God. They're without hope. And we need to see them differently. Because if we don't see them differently, if we don't see them for who God designed them to be, we'll we'll always look down our nose at everybody else and judge and despise and condemn. Is this making any sense? So, we need to get a heavenly perspective. Remember, remember, always remember, God is not looking at, um, I hit my microphone. God is not looking at the outside. He's looking at the inside. Amen. Here, this is another thing that we need to do. We need to get a holy perspective of God. Now, both of these guys came into God's presence. Sorry, i got to fix this. (laughs) <laughs> it's my melancholy perfect coming out now. We need to get a holy perspective of God. Both of these guys came into God's presence, but with a different point of view. The Pharisee came in like he deserved to be there. The tax, the tax collector came in appealing to God's mercy. I think a Pharisee in today's culture is cavalier toward God. Almost like, hmm, I'll show up when I want to show up. I'll be what, it, you know, I'll do what, you know, if it fits, if it feels good, if it feels right. We have a really very cavalier approach, just almost not really. Not really sincere and devoted and fervent and committed. Just kind of, you know, just we're, just, we're just glad that we look good. We're just glad that we got our life together, our act together, or at least it looks like we do. I want to tell you something about God. He is God. And you are not. And I am not. And as immortal as someday we will become, and we will see Him, and we will become like Him, we will never be God. We will never be gods. And we need to keep ourselves in perspective. God is a holy God. He is right. And I need him. And without him, I am nothing. Amen. Don't ever get it backwards. Don't ever get to the place in your life where, you know, you, you got this now. It's like you say, God, I got it now. I'll call you if I need you. No, you need him. Amen. And then the final thing, if if we're going to conquer this inner Pharisee, we need to get a healthy perspective of greatness. This is what the Pharisees wanted. They wanted, to, they wanted to be great. They wanted to be successful. I think the Pharisee, in the initial stages, really wanted to do the right thing and be godly men. In fact, we know of a couple Pharisees that truly came over to Jesus we know Nicodemus Joseph of Arimathea they 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 were Pharisees who had a genuine heart for the things of God and ended up being a part of the burial the whole process of Jesus being buried and set up for the resurrection and so we know we know that there were there were there was a Uh, there was something on the inside of many of them that they wanted to do the right thing and they wanted to be what God called them to be, but there's a way to be great and the, the way to experience true success in life and there's a way that you don't do it. And what happened with many of the Pharisees is they started looking at their own abilities and trusting in themselves and their righteousness rather than looking to God. This is why Jesus said in verse 14, he says, I tell you, this man or this tax collector went down to his house justified other th- rather than the other, the Pharisee, for everyone who wants to exalt himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. The way to greatness in life and before God is to get low and stay there. You want to be exalted? If you want to get to the place where God wants you to be, you get low. And stay there. Stay humble. Stay humble. Amen. Come on. Can I get a good amen out there? Be humble or get humbled. It's going to happen one way or the other. Amen. Whoever exalts himself will be made low. But whoever humbles himself will be exalted. That's so important for us. The Pharisee thought that he was great because he did everything right for God, but the tax collector became great because he was made right with God. I think we all want to be great or attain spiritual success in life. We, can get, we, we can't get there by forcing our way to the top, but we will get there if we are truly humble before the Lord. Here's what Jesus taught. Matthew 20, verse 26. If you'd come. Jesus said in Matthew 20, 26, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. Basically, Pharisees thought that everybody should serve them. Give them the best seat. Call them rabbi. Notice me when you see me in the marketplace. Look at me. Look at what I've done. Look at what I've attained. And they thought that will make, that will solidify my greatness. But Jesus said they got it backwards. The way you get great is not by being served, but by serving. Do you know that right now I'm looking at servants? Right now you're listening to a servant. The way to greatness is through serving. Pharisees think, you serve me. You feed me. You take care of me. You bless me. You honor me. No. Greatness is in you. You serve. I serve. Amen. See, the Pharisees were in a great position in that they had the law. They loved the law. They loved their laws too. But they loved the law. And they were there to help people stay close to God. To get to know God. But rather than helping them, They weighed them down and held them back. In fact, Jesus said in one verse, I don't have it, it won't come up there, but Jesus said, he said, you shut the door to the kingdom and you make it impossible for anyone trying to enter in. And so as people who are not Pharisees, we're disciples, we need to open the door to the kingdom and try to find a way to help people to walk in. Amen? Amen. Let's all stand together. I know this is a different word today, but we need, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus in the 21st century, we've got to overcome our inner Pharisee, that I think sometimes in our world can be drawn out of us, like, because we think it's the answer to combat what's going on. We can't have that. Jesus doesn't need that. Amen. He needs disciples, amen? Do we have a prayer team this morning? Are they available? Let's have them come. Listen, I'm going to close in prayer. If you need prayer for anything today, if you want to return to the Lord, or if you just need prayer about some struggle you might be going through, or a healing touch of the Lord, or you want to give your heart to Jesus, we have some individuals that are going to be up here, and as we close, you can come up to them, and they would love to pray with you. They love doing this, and so we appreciate them being available. I'm going to pray a prayer dismissal. If you would like prayer, you can begin to work your way up front, okay? Pray for anything. Don't leave here like you came, amen? Father, thank you for your presence here today. Holy Spirit, thank you for the word of truth. Let it pierce our hearts. Let let your word become like a, a surgeon's scalpel, God, that just continues to work today and into this week, God, helping us to recognize those areas in our life that are of a Pharisee attitude or action. Cleanse us of that. Purge us of that. Heal us of that, we pray. Lord, help us to go out into this world and to serve, to serve. I pray for an anointing grace to serve hurting and broken humanity in the world around us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.